It's Thursday, May 19th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, why do we judge each other so harshly for saying like, even though most of us say it way more often than we'd admit to? Plus, Boeing's Starliner spacecraft is launching mere hours after recording, probably. Here's everything you need to know about the second contender in NASA's commercial crew program. And introducing Pepsi-Roni Pizza. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. You know what I, like, really don't like? When someone, like, judges someone else for how often they, like, use the word like. Okay, that example might have been a bit extreme. Sometimes the word like or any word or verbal pause can be used with such frequency that it becomes tough to understand what a person is saying or absolutely aggravating, waiting for them to just get the word out. But I am of the opinion that the word like has a very specific usage that we don't really have any other replacement for. Before I get into that, though, let's dive into why people are so quick to make assumptions about people who say like so much, even though almost all of us say it quite a bit. Sam Wolfson dug into this in The Guardian recently and pointed out that critiques of the word like were particularly high in the 90s, when the word had proliferated among youth and was often seen as representative of that valley girl accent. Critics of the word often argue that using it too much or in certain ways makes you sound stupid. There's certainly a none-too-veiled correlation there between something that is seen as the terrain of young women also being seen by others as stupid. There's a class element, too, especially in the United Kingdom, where Wolfson is writing from. He cites one example from actress Emma Thompson, who lumped teens' use of the word like in with their use of the word in it, a more working-class slang term. Thompson says she told girls at that school not to use those terms because it makes them sound stupid. Wolfson also cites an American law firm that sent a memo instructing employees to stop saying the word like, except they only sent the memo to women employees. Employees. A sort of well-intended, lean-in type of advice. If you really want to move ahead in the corporate world, you can use the app Like So, which listens to your speech and helps you stop incorporating words like like and so. Adding to the classism, sexism, and racism of it all, Catherine D. Kinsler, the author of a book about linguistic bias, says that judging someone for how they speak is one of the last kind of socially accepted ways to express our prejudices, even if we don't realize that's what we're doing. She told The Guardian, quote, for example, if you're interviewing candidates for a job, it's easy to think that you're not being biased, racist, or sexist, that you're just looking for a good communicator. But so many of our perceptions of who is a good communicator can be infused by other forms of biases that we're not aware of. End quote. Well-intentioned speaking coaches and educators are always trying to eradicate the word from people's natural speech patterns. People see it as a filler word, one which doesn't really mean anything. But Wolfson and I both disagree. It's not a filler word. It's not a verbal pause like um or uh. It's a word with unique functions all of its own. Quoting Wolfson in The Guardian, the linguist Alexandra Darcy, who wrote a book on the word, outlined its many uses. There are its traditional uses as a verb, I like the smell of what's cooking, and a preposition, this tastes like it was made in a restaurant. And then there are the ones that are the subject of scorn. The first of these is the quotative, like. He cooked a spag bowl for me last night. I was like, that's delicious. 
It allows you to tell a story without promising complete accuracy. Indeed, one of the most enjoyable things about this kind of like is that you can tell an anecdote that makes you sound wittier and more erudite than you actually are because you're not promising exactly what was said, but the feeling of what was said. The other hated likes are as a discourse marker, what did I do last night? Like, had dinner, hung out. An adverb to mean approximately. It was super quick to cook, like 30 minutes. And what's known as a discourse particle, which goes in the middle of a phrase rather than the end of it. This dinner is like the best I've eaten. But there are more uses than that. For example, the Geordie tradition of finishing sentences with a like. He cooked dinner for me like... And increasingly, like is also used as a noun because of Facebook and Instagram. I gave it a like. End quote. Now, personally, I have always been most interested in that quotative version and the approximate adverb version. When you say that someone was like instead of they said or they did X, it's clear that you're not quoting exactly or being entirely accurate about their actions or emotions. And without thinking about it, everyone knows that the little word like is doing a ton of work to indicate the generalization of all that follows. Now, like can also direct our attention in a sentence. Pitzer College linguistics professor Carmen Fott told Wolfson, quote, It helps with what we call focus. I'm showing you this is the important part. This is the part that connects. It can be for interpersonal connection. It's checking in that you and I are connecting. It's an incredibly useful part of speech. If it were really meaningless and had no purpose in a sentence, it would be much easier for us to leave it out. End quote. And Wolfson says that a lot of young women who get criticized for overusing like are using it in this way, and in his opinion, using it so skillfully to convey meaning and connect with anyone listening that it's almost magical. I am a big fan of using like in this way. Sometimes when I write scripts for podcasts or videos, I'll throw in some likes that I might not have otherwise said because I'm trying to give that sense of approximation or put focus on an important clause or just make a perhaps rather complex sentence more relatable and familiar sounding. You know, maybe it makes me sound less smart to some people, but that's kind of my point. You know, most of the time, I don't want what I'm saying to be inaccessible. I'm trying to communicate and maybe teach or share, not just impress. The quotative version of like, saying that someone was like, oh my gosh, rather than that they said, oh my gosh, according to Wolfson, probably came from young women around the 1980s, but other usages go back at least as far as Shakespeare. Quoting again, in Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, written at the start of the 17th century, Valentine says to Cesario, If the Duke continue these favors towards you, Cesario, you are like to be much advanced. The linguist Antoli Lieberman says that this version of like was being used as a shorthand for likely, and may be the beginnings of our contemporary usage. Consider the following, he writes, All these three be like went together. Take away B, and you'll get a charming modern sentence. All these three, like, went together. Be like meant in all likelihood. It's easy to imagine how this use of like could transform into like being used more generally as a way to break up speech. Perhaps it was aided by the Irish, Liverpudlian, and Geordie use of the word to mean roughly, or thereabouts. Or by the beat poets of the 1950s who would often start the sentences with like. End quote. 
And on that note about the largely male beat poets, Wolfson points to studies showing that as much as we associate overuse of the word like with young women, it's used pretty commonly by all types of people. And in fact, the discourse particle version of it, this dinner is like the best I've ever eaten, is used more by men than by women. The linguist Kinsler says that uptalk, or ending your sentences by going up like a question at the end of it, also largely associated with young women, is another way of speaking that actually occurs among all sorts of different groups of people. We just love coming up with reasons for why things that certain people do make them come off as stupider than the rest of us. But Wolfson points to a study from the Journal of Language and Social Psychology which found, quote, conscientious people and those who are more thoughtful and aware of themselves and their surroundings are the most likely to use discourse markers such as like, end quote. So who's stupid now? If all goes well, by the time you're hearing this, Boeing's CST-100 Starliner spacecraft will have launched from Cape Canaveral in Florida and be on its way to the International Space Station. The launch is scheduled for 6.54 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time today, Thursday the 19th, so if you are listening as soon as this episode drops, you might still have a chance to watch live. As of recording, it does seem like everything is proceeding well. And even if you're listening after the fact, the video link in the show notes of the live stream should still be viewable on demand. This launch represents Boeing's second orbital flight test for the Starliner, the first having only made it 155 miles off the ground, never making it to the ISS. Orbital Flight Test 2 was originally slated for last August, but the plug was pulled at the last minute due to a valve malfunction. Boeing has been hard at work fixing and quadruple-checking everything, and if all goes well on today's uncrewed mission, Boeing will move ahead with transporting astronauts later this year. And, I mean, I say uncrewed, but Rosie the Rocketeer, a 180-pound mannequin tripped out with 15 sensors all over her body, will be taking off in the Starliner this evening. The data collected from Rosie's sensors will help inform the Starliner's center of gravity and other important takeaways about the astronaut's experience when the Starliner is actually filled with real flesh humans. This time, in addition to Rosie, the Starliner is carrying 800 pounds of cargo to deliver to the crew on board the ISS. If Boeing gets gets this right and does progress to human flight, they will become the second private company that can carry NASA astronauts to the ISS, the first and currently only being SpaceX. And as a reminder, quoting Wired, when the space shuttle program ended in 2011, NASA astronauts lost their regular ride to the ISS. Instead, they launched on Russian Soyuz spacecraft while NASA's commercial crew program collaborated with private business partners to develop a new generation of spacecraft for transporting astronauts and cargo. In May 2020, two NASA shuttle veterans became the first to ride SpaceX's Dragon capsule to the ISS and, two months later, to return safely home. Since then, SpaceX has regularly carried astronauts to the station, Northrop Grumman and Sierra Space also have contracts with NASA for uncrewed cargo resupply missions, and earlier this year the company Axiom became the first to send an all-private group of space tourists to the ISS." End quote. The Starliner is expected to arrive at the ISS tomorrow evening, Friday the 20th, around 7 p.m. Eastern Time, just over 24 hours after launch. The spacecraft will stay docked at the space station for 5 to 10 days before returning with 600 pounds of cargo and landing in White Sands, New Mexico. 
Meanwhile, in other NASA news, the Mars InSight lander, which landed on Mars back in 2018 and has been on an extended mission since 2020 after completing its initial science goals, will officially be ending its science operations later this summer. NASA has announced that the lander is gradually losing power as its solar panels accumulate dust from the Martian surface. InSight has detected over 1,300 Mars quakes during its tenure, including the largest ever detected just earlier this month, and also gleaned invaluable information about Mars's weather and ancient magnetic field. InSight's main tools will be turned off later this summer, as seasonal changes with less sun and more dust make the likelihood of recovering lost power even more unlikely. But InSight won't be fully turned off just yet. The lander will be able to communicate with Earth and take the occasional photo, at least through the end of the year when InSight may stop responding altogether. So pour one out for the InSight lander, who has already given us so much over the last four years. Tell your office, tell your classroom, apparently tomorrow, Friday the 20th, is National Pizza Party Day. So of course, Pepsi has teamed up with the CIA to create Pepsi-infused pepperoni. That's CIA like the Culinary Institute of America, but it just sounds better when you imagine a bunch of agents in a top-secret lab running experiments on pepperoni. Called Pepsi-Roni Pizza, it, quote, includes a Pepsi Zero sugar reduction instead of the water typically used in pepperoni preparation and layers the sweet and citrus zests Pepsi is known for with the standard spice blends found in pepperoni, end quote. Honestly, it doesn't sound too bad. I mean, if you like Pepsi or colas in general, I love a good cola with my slice, so I'm intrigued. Then again, I'm also a huge fan of pineapple on pizza, so approximately half of you may vehemently disagree with me. I also like putting candy on pizza. You ever had a Pop Rocks pizza? It's great. And as the Mary Sue points out, Pepsi-infused pepperoni is far better than the other way around. Imagine drinking pizza. According to the takeout, Pepsi conducted a survey, not a super scientific one apparently, asking people if drinking Pepsi enhanced their pizza-eating experience, and 90% said yes. And thus, we now have Pepsi-Roni Pizza, said David Kamen, director of client experience for CIA Consulting, quote, The concept is quite simple. Pepperoni brings a smoky spiciness, and the Pepsi adds a citrusy sweetness. It's an intriguing combination we think pizza fans will be excited to try. End quote. The takeout also points out that cola-infused meat products are nothing new. They point to Coca-Cola brisket, though the Texan in me is much more familiar with Dr. Pepper brisket, which is absolutely delicious. You get a little sweetness and a little tang in the meat from the soda. Honestly, of all of the off-the-wall stuff soda companies have been trying this year, which some say is in an attempt to distract away from their limited supplies due to the aluminum shortage, this one sounds the most genuinely appealing so far. I mean, it's better than Coca-Cola's pixel-flavored Coke, anyways. Pepsi is debuting this Pepsi-Roni pizza at a West Village pizza shop here in New York City, the neighborhood that apparently was the birthplace of pepperoni. And if you can't make it out to the big event in NYC, the soda company will apparently be holding subsequent events in Los Angeles, Detroit, Miami, and Chicago on May 24th. I'll put the Eventbrite link with more details in the show notes.
Well, that's going to be it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.